0: As we open our Thanksgiving service, we're thankful for each one that is here. And Lord, so many good testimonies tonight, and Lord, we're just thankful that you are God. We ask that you would work in our hearts and encourage us in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's turn to a what I pray has become a familiar text to you, Colossians chapter 2. And verse 7, Colossians chapter 2, this is one of the theme verses that we have chosen for this year. We just were able to put the first half of it on the um, uh, poster on this side. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding... Therein with thanksgiving. It says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Of course, what I'd like to spend a little bit of time on tonight is a Bible study on basically what it means or what, what is intended here by the apostle as he tells them that they are to be abounding in thanksgiving. I mean, most of us don't find ourselves in that situation very often, do we? Uh, Where we're just abounding in in thanksgiving. Um, Some of you know that the uh, dishwasher in our apartment quit working quite a little while ago and have been trying to fix this and that, and finally got... To the point where I said, this is just beyond my pay grade. And we called in a repairman and found out I knew more about the dishwasher than the repairman did. uh, Which doesn't help anybody because it's still not fixed. And and, uh, I'm just sitting there scratching my head. And, and, you know, I I look at this verse and I'm under conviction. I'm not abounding uh, with thanksgiving there. Uh, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Uh, I am very thankful for the way the meeting worked out at Community Baptist. Brother uh, Randolph had probably called a dozen or more pastors all over the country and said, pray for this church, because if they did not make the decision that they made yesterday, there was very little hope that the church was going to stay on the right track and, and be able to uh, move forward, and and so we're are thankful for that. We're thankful for how the Lord has worked, and in and, and what He is doing in our church. Uh, I will tell you one thing. As I uh, travel, as I preach in other churches, uh, I don't know how I'll say this. It every time I'm in another church, every time I hear another church's story. It does make me more thankful for what has happened here at Open Door. And it does make me more thankful for the people that are here at Open Door. And uh, we just looking forward to what God can do. And, and as I was uh, just preparing for this message, uh, uh, my wife was bringing, finishing up here. My wife was bringing down some dinner and on the plate was one of the things I just enjoy. Fried kale. Uh, you take the oil and get it hot, and you just put the kale in there and fry it up. And I mean, I just, I enjoy that. Now, how many say, Boy, that just sounds really good. Okay, there's a couple of people out there. Everybody else is going, Kale? Not, no. Uh, kale rhymes with vomit, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people think. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, but, I, uh, uh, and I found an article, it's called The Psychology of Taste, and the uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this first name, but I think it's Darwa Rose, uh, claims to be a doctor here, and, and this is what she wrote in the article here. It turns out that most of the time we decide what we like before we bother to experience it. So Wow. And this prejudice clouds our perception of what we actually encounter. This effect of perception bias has been demonstrated repeatedly in psychology experiments where food, color, and taste have been manipulated. How many of you remember in school where they took lemon jello and dyed it orange and it tasted like orange jello, right? Uh, You know why? Because your mind saw orange and you were expecting orange. And and, uh, uh, your mind saw green and expected lime or or something else. And and, uh, it got me really thinking here as we're talking about we're supposed to be abounding therein with thanksgiving. How often do we allow our thought process to decide whether we're going to be thankful or unthankful for something before it even happens to us. How many times has the expectation of an event far exceeded anything that actually transpired when you physically experienced the event that you were hoping for? Uh, there, somebody came up with a little thing, does the gratification exceed the anticipation, or does the anticipation exceed the gratification? They go on for four or five minutes, and I'm not going to bore you with that tonight. But I do want us to stop and think, as the Bible gives this statement here, we are to be rooted and built up in Him. We've gone through this many times. The idea of rooted means to be down deep, to be holding on to, to be taking your substance from. Uh, the idea of uh, built up means to be founded, to be uh, surely secured by a foundation. And, and as we are rooted and bound up, in, built up in Jesus Christ... Then it says, established in the faith. That just simply means established, built, uh, founded upon, established in the faith as ye have been taught. Now, we've just finished the book of 1 Thessalonians uh, Sunday night. Uh, and the, one of the things that has just been amazing to me as we've gone through I've tried to bring it out several times, is Paul had a very, very short time in Thessalonica. He, he did not have a great deal. The two churches where he spent most of the time was Corinth and Ephesus. Most of the other places Paul was, was, and he spent one year in Antioch before he even went out. But the the point is, Paul spent very little time, but he was able to give them what they needed. He... We are not trying for anything new here. We have everything that we have, need, right here in the Word of God. So how do we get there and abound in thanksgiving when life can be a little more than frustrating at times? Disappointing? Uh, tragic? And so first, let's just take a moment here. The first meaning of the word Thanks or thank is thought. The second meaning is favorable thought or feeling, goodwill, graciousness, grace, favor. Third meaning is kindly thought or feeling entertained toward anyone for favor or services received. Grateful thought, gratitude. Definition number four, the expression of gratitude, the grateful acknowledgement of a benefit Or favor. Thought. Thankfulness has to deal with what goes on in our thought life. How many of you have ever told a lie? How are you doing? Fine. Because you know that's what they want to hear. And, of course, I don't encourage you to be one of those ones when somebody asks how you're doing. Do you have an hour or two? I mean, you don't want to be there. All right? That is just not... Uh, but somewhere between the two of those things, we ought to be able to strike a balance of honesty and joy. Amen? Thankfulness. Abounding therein with thanksgiving first of all i I want to tell you thanksgiving that thought process that brings it out now we, i want to, I want you to be careful we we're not talking about positive thinking i I've always wondered about this you know uh oh, I can't even remember the guy's name over in huh nor uh Norman Vincent Peale, yes. I mean, it was just, wrote the book, positive thinking. And, of course, positive thinking is great until you have a negative thought. And, of course, New York City is just full uh, of negative thoughts, is it not? Uh, I mean, every time something looks like it's working out, uh, every time something happens, does it not? Uh, It just turns around. It's just the way things are. I've often told people New York City is a wonderful place. Anything good, anything that they adds uh, true joy to life, is either illegal or taxed out of existence. Uh, and and uh, pretty pretty much so. I mean, it's just uh, we we live in an insane asylum. Uh, uh, yeah, we do. That was a Freudian slip, no, wasn't it? Uh, If anybody knows what that is, you don't mean to say something. We do live in an asylum, do we not? Run by the inmates. And uh, we call it New York City. I want you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. If you want to talk about someone insane, and this is where my thought process was going, actually, is uh, you got a prophet named Jonah, and this guy had problems. Did he not? Uh, God gave him direction. God gave him clear duty, which... Again, just goes to prove to you and I today that even if God spoke to heaven and gave you all the direction that you could possibly use in your life, you would probably do just about what Jonah did with it. And so let's pay attention to the Word of God. Amen? And one of the most astounding verses in the book of Jonah is the verse 9, chapter 2. Now, we know what Jonah did. Jonah ran away from God. He went down into the ship. He went down to Joppa. He ended up down in the water, ended up down in the belly of the great fish, of the whale that God had prepared to swallow Jonah and hold him until Jonah was ready to do what needed to be done in verse 9 of chapter 2. Jonah is speaking here. After three days... He finally prays. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Do you think Jonah was thankful for the whale? I I don't. Jonah wanted to die. The whale messed that up completely. Uh, Jonah did not want to do... What God wanted him to do. Now, did he? In fact, he had determined with every ounce of his being. Now, God has a way of helping us understand a few things. And he finally, and and if you ever want to try this, I don't recommend doing it for very long. But just find a little room. Usually the bathroom works pretty good. No lights. Put a towel by the door and and so there's no outside light coming into the room don't take a watch with you or your phone or anything and just see how long you can sit there before you get to <laughs> I got to get out of here if you can do 5 minutes i will tell you you are an extraordinary person just sit there in the dark doing nothing it it will it, it you know now imagine jonah 70 Two hours. No wristwatch. No time orientation. And you know what whales do or great fish when they have uh, digestive problems? They go deep. Because the pressures of the ocean... Just squeeze in and whatever is bothering them gets crushed to nothingness. And, and, it, and, and, and it helps the whale. And so uh, Jonah is praying. He said, weeds were wrapped about my head. I went to the depths of the ocean. I mean, could you imagine all that time? Now Job is in there. He's still. The only air he is getting is what's trapped in the whale's digestive system with him. Uh, the only movement he is able to have is what is not uh, being used at that time by the whale. I mean, he is there. Uh, in verse 6, he says, "...her bars was about me forever." Then he says, But I'm going to sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Could I challenge you, first of all, that thanksgiving is a choice that we have to make to understand that God is Right. When we are unthankful, what we are accusing God of is doing something that is less than his character as God. Are, are we together on that? Jonah said, I'm going to sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. Do you think being in that whale's belly for three days and three nights would? to actually talk to God and thank God and express kindly thoughts toward God for putting him there and all of these things, would that qualify as a sacrifice? Uh, I think it would. Uh, that would be giving up a great deal. Jonah had quite a bit invested in his own death here, did he not? Uh, he had paid the fare. He had... Uh, told the men he had embarrassed himself as much as he could. And finally he said, It's of no use. Just throw me overboard. I'm going to die. God said, Oh, no, you're not. Not until I'm ready. And Jonah finally says, Okay, God, I'm going to be thankful to you. I'm going to sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. You have called me to be your preacher You have given me a charge to do, and I am going to gratefully accept the duty that you have laid upon me that I don't want to do, and I'm going to do it. And as soon as he said that, the fish went burp, and out came Jonah. And I've always liked to just picture in my own mind what he must have looked like after three days. The acid burns in his skin, the green color of the seaweed and other things that the whale had swallowed, the, the smell of partially digested fish. I mean, if that thing came walking into town, I think I would either be frightened out of my mind or listen to what it said. How about you? Uh, and Jonah had quite an impact on the city of Nineveh, did he not? Not. And this is not normally what we think about when we think about being thankful now, is it? But Jonah said, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus healed ten lepers. How many of you remember the story? And one, one came back to thank Jesus. And he wasn't even Jewish in his heritage. He was a Samaritan. See, sometimes we get to the point to where we kind of just expect God to do miracles. God enjoys it when we stop. And say thank you. When we make that choice, when we think about what God has done. And if you go to Romans chapter 1, the first step to perdition is unthankfulness. And so we're just not going to go there. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 as we just chase this through the Bible here. Ephesians chapter 5. And a lot of people like to uh, quote this verse out of context. But let's start in verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to just stop here as we think about abounding therein with thanksgiving. I want you to evaluate your communication with yourself. How many of you talk to yourself? You don't have to raise your hands. I met a guy one time. He says, I love to talk to myself. I said, why? He says, because I like to talk to intelligent people. He said, the second reason I like to talk to myself is because I like to hear intelligent people talk. And, of course, if you really believe that about yourself, be my guest. Don't bore the rest of us with it. Amen? Uh, But... We talk to ourselves on a fairly regular basis, do we not? We communicate with ourselves. You don't necessarily have to uh, do like the guy on, uh, what is it, the progressive insurance, leave messages on the cell phone for yourself. I hope you don't do that. Uh, but we do have conversation. We think about things. We we. Think about people. You get on the subway car, and most of us are talking about ourselves with all the weird people that we're looking at as we get on the subway car. How many of you do that? How many of you talk to people while you're driving? Why don't you learn how to drive? Uh, looks like you graduated Braille correspondence. I mean, come on. Come uh, That is our communication. Here's what the Bible says. If we'll be wise and understand what the Lord is, the will of the Lord is, we're not going to be looking for all of these things to influence us. By the way, being drunk with wine is taking something that doesn't belong in your body, alcohol, and putting it into your body so that you can interrupt the normal thought processes. You can do that with so many things, can you not? That's one of the reasons I am such uh, so against many of these video games is because you sit down and you start you log in and all of a sudden you are no longer uh Joe Schmo, you are. Captain Stargazer or whatever and you're traveling the universe and destroying the enemies and you can murder 15,000 people and not go to jail for it people do all those things in these video games why? because they want to talk to themselves about things that take them from the reality of the real world well wait a minute What is the reality of someone who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, my friend? I'm on my way to heaven. Not on my way to hell. I have a Savior who loves me so much that He died on Calvary's cross to set me free from sin and yet I willingly choose to put myself back into the bondage of bitterness and hatred and all of the evil that is in our world today. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. By the way, how in the world can you speak to yourself in psalms if you don't read the book of psalms out of the Bible? If you don't sing the songs when you're in church and learn the words, I mean... Uh, I'll tell you what, if you're feeling depressed and you're feeling down, sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy. Hey, let me tell you something. If that doesn't cheer you up, you your cheerfulness is done busted. Amen? But God can fix it. You're focused on the wrong things. Speaking to yourselves in hymns and psalms, Uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord I've had many people say well pastor I can't sing very well it says making melody in your heart you know what you can hear the greatest choirs in the world sing in your heart and be a part of it and nobody else has to know the one that gets me all the time is somebody's got their headphones on and they're going down the street going, yeah, And I mean, it is horrid. It, it cannot match anywhere near what is going into their heads in that headphone because you'd be put in jail for making that kind of noise and trying to sell it. But, but they're making that kind of noise now, aren't they? Listen. The Bible says we can make melody in our hearts to God, and it doesn't matter whether you're on tune or not. God's listening, and that's what's going to lead to you giving thanks. It's part of our worship toward God. Thankfulness is recognizing God for who He is. Praise, is, uh, if you want to get technical, praise is giving thanks to God for who He is. When we talk about the word thanksgiving, it's giving thanks to God for what He has done. And we talk about this sacrifice. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. As the writer of Hebrews is closing this great treatise that puts our Bible all together and makes every connection here uh, between the Old and the New Testament We start in verse 12 of Hebrews 13. It says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well-pleased. Our sacrifice of praise is to give thanks. You know what Joseph, uh, Jonah did in the whale's belly? I want to thank you, God, for being good. I want to thank you, God, for not giving in to my whims and my fancies, but doing your will. I want to thank you, God. And that's when the whales spit him out. You see, when we offer that sacrifice of praise, did you... Look at verse 16. But to do good and to communicate. You see. When I get the thankfulness in my head worked out right. And I have the right attitude toward God. It's a whole lot easier to obey him. To do good with my hands. And we just had our missions conference. You know what the word communicate means in your King James Bible. It means to put something in the offering plate. It really does. And. How, how can I be a cheerful giver? How can I give the Bible away with thanksgiving and, and sacrifice and, and honor and glorify God? Well, it starts by understanding who Jesus is. That He died for me. That He took my reproach. And I can walk outside the camp. I can stop working on trying to please men, and I can offer sacrifices of praise to God, never, ever, ever get over your salvation, the fact that Jesus forgives us. Stop and think about how often we come to Him saying, if we confess our sins, and here's my sin, Lord. He is faithful and just. And we get that in Second Corinthians chapter nine, as uh, he's giving the uh, finishing up the treatise on giving, there how that uh, if you give, God loves a cheerful giver, and God rewards that cheerful giver. And he's talking about giving a thanks in Second Corinthians chapter four. As we go through life, we get weighed down, we get burdened, and if you want to keep serving God you got to choose to be thankful. But I want us to look at one more passage. Let's go to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 9 after this i beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our god which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. When, when is the last time that you allowed yourself to be impressed with the presence of God. Did he not say, I will dwell in them? Amen? Uh, I will. He will prepare a table for us. We'll sit down and eat with him and he with us. Jesus wants to have fellowship with us. I'll tell you, when we get to heaven and actually stand in the presence of God, there's just one thing we're going to do. Fall on our face and say thank you. Thank you God for being so good. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being mindful. Of me. Of our little church here in the story. How many prayers has God answered for our church? Just stop and think about that. How many prayers has he answered. Over Union Baptist Church. In the last three years. You know. I'm, I am praying, and I believe I have the right expectation that God is going to do some of these same miracles out at Community Baptist in Riverhead. Because God is interested in keeping His church moving forward. We, we need to. You see, praise, thanksgiving is part of our worship. When we sing those songs that we sang tonight, I mean, how many of you said my spirits got lifted just as we sang those songs? Huh? Uh, that's that's part. It ought, ought to be that way. And when uh, we didn't take an offering tonight, but when we give, when we talk about our God, when we serve God, and when we just understand that He is with us. So I want you to understand. Thankfulness, number one, is a choice. Thankfulness is part of our worship. But I want you to get this last one, because Andrew even talked about it, and I thought he was going to preach part of my sermon when he's introducing the song. Thankfulness is commanded in the Scripture. How many of you have worried about something this week? My hand's up. Here's what the Bible says. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. But in everything by prayer and supplication. How many know what the next two words are? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We sing a little chorus, Why Worry When You Can Pray. Well, the Bible says, Don't Worry. Let's take that effort. Let's take that energy and put it into prayer. Prayer is agreeing with God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. If you've been through the discipleship, this is one of the main points there. In everything what? Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what? God is right. Can, can you remember a time when you thought your parents were wrong and you were right and then you found out that the exact opposite was true, that actually you were the one that was wrong and they were right? Am I the only one with that experience here? No, we've all done that now, haven't we? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God is always right. Jesus can only do what is on, in, would be the best course of action. God never chooses second best. Paul said, I exhort, therefore. He's, he's saying, listen, I'm commanding you, I'm demanding here that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And he goes on. Kings. Rulers. That's why I constantly... We, hey, we need to pray for our president. Amen? We need to pray for... Our senators from New York State and our governor and our mayor, we need to pray for these people. Do we agree with them? Absolutely not. But if we will look at our elected officials, they are a testimony to what is going on in our society today. And that is not good. We need to pray. It is commanded. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Do you know we, in an independent Bible-believing Baptist church, we have something no one else in the world really has. we have confidence that what we're doing is simply what is printed in this book called the Bible. you imagine that? I mean, I have been told under no uncertain terms, the Orthodox is the oldest. It's the only truth. Well, it's the oldest of the... T- Christian traditions invented by man may be a reflection of many of those old things. But the Orthodox Church is by no means the oldest tradition of the Bible because it doesn't agree with the Bible. Almost nowhere. And if you're going to make that argument as a Catholic, you're double ridiculous, are you not? Uh, They were still arguing about baptism in 1588 in England, trying to figure out what it was supposed to be and what it wasn't. I mean, wow, this is crazy stuff. But we can pick up a book, parts of which are over 4,000 years old. The majority of this Bible was finished, I mean, our Bible was finished 100 A.D., roughly speaking, There's no other book with that kind of antiquity that people pay attention to today other than this book called the Bible. And how many people wave a Bible and say, I believe the Bible and don't do a thing that's written in it. I remember one time when I was working, I worked with Elaine. She says, I go to the church of Christ. You know, in the book of Galatians where it says the churches of Christ salute you, that's talking about our church. And I went, whoa, wait wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who told you that? My preacher did. Uh, Have you ever heard of the name Alexander Campbell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that founded the Church of Christ. I said, that's exactly correct. He lived in the 1830s. You can't have a date before that for the Church of Christ. That's, That's a little ways from the book of Galatians. You see... One thing we do here is just teach the Bible. That's what we can abound in thanksgiving. That doesn't mean we have to be happy about it and go, "Yay!" No. I'm going to be thankful that I have the word of God and that it is presented in a practical way that I can live it today in 2018. I don't have to change my traditions to meet the world in which I live, I can watch God's Word change the traditions of this world and lives of people who live in this world to match God's Word. We can abound therein with thanksgiving, being thankful. We can choose to be thankful. Amen? We can choose to be thankful in our worship to God, in our singing of the songs, I've had some people come in and you have such terrible music at your church. Really? What would you like? A rock and roll band? Yeah, now you're talking. Have a little life. I said that's not life. I said how many of those guys of the make the music that you like are dead? I was standing in line at BJ's and they had children's books there, and I was going. Oh wow! Who is Jackie Kennedy? And I'm sitting there going, okay, uh, a nice lady, uh, a fashion icon, the the wife of the president, all of the above. You know that's what the book said. And uh, then it said Woodstock. I'm sitting here going, good night, Woodstock, kids book. And it said. Oh, it was a time where people got together and shared, uh, uh, listened to some of the greatest music for three days. That's a lie, my friend. Woodstock was a trip into the deepest and darkest annals of human depravity. But none of the performers were doing what the people, they weren't living in the mud, out in the rain and in the field. They had limousines take them back and forth between the mud patch and the hotels. and It, it, it was nothing. It was a whole lie. I mean, we've got the truth. And we can enjoy it. We don't have to lie about who we are. We can learn to live a life of thanksgiving. Take some time between now and Thursday and allow yourself to be overwhelmed with the presence of God in your life. He's there. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We need to pay attention to who God is. And that will make us Rooted, built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein. Abounding with thanksgiving. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We ask that you would make us mindful of your presence, of your work, of your word, of your goodness of Your truth. Lord, that You would help us to abound therein with thanksgiving to live this life. Lord, we just want to take a few moments here and just have the piano softly play. And Lord, I just ask that each of us here would pray in our own hearts and think of the things that we're thankful for and ask God to straighten out our thinking that we may abound therein with thanksgiving. The altar's open if you want to come and pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand together and let's take the name of Jesus with us as we leave tonight.